0: Now the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app and the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function and basically what this does it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear, you guys can talk about hunting areas, you guys can talk about what's going on in the woods and it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox and what the gearbox is it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products there's there's a shopping function on it so Check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to. And you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today is a good old-fashioned BS session with my co-host of sorts, Bob Polanik. Now, Bob drew an Iowa tag this year, and he's putting a lot of time and energy into making his, uh, his tag draw this year worthwhile. So, We're going to talk about a recent scouting mission and season prep mission that he took to Iowa this past week, and he's going to talk about hanging trail cameras, hanging tree stands, checking trail cameras uh, not getting poison ivy on this trip but he also did something that I think a lot of people should do and not just in Iowa but wherever they hunt and he gained permission to some private ground just by knocking on some doors so he's going to break all that down for us I chime in with a little bit of information about a recent scouting mission I went on where I located two really big beds Uh, in between a cornfield and a big, uh, I guess you want to call it a valley, Uh, a big, uh, a drainage system and uh, I put some trail cameras on it one of them was a cell cam and uh, I'm getting those sent to my phone just curious to see what it is and I've been posting those pictures on Instagram so if you want to follow along uh, I call it my my cell cam check-in I've been posting those to Instagram you can follow along with that but it's a really cool episode uh, where we basically talk about what we're doing you know I'm starting to shoot my bow more and more and more trying to hone my Equipment and uh, basically just discuss the uh, the prep work that we're doing, the plans for the upcoming season, and uh, I mean every day it's August, so every day is just getting closer and getting closer and getting closer. Man, I'm getting jacked for my mule deer hunt. I'm getting jacked for my Michigan hunt. I'm getting jacked for my Iowa rut vacation, and uh, man, I have some. I don't want to say high expectations, but my my expectations are running high if that makes sense it may not make sense but it makes sense to me but before we get before we get into today's episode we're going to do a commercial and that commercial is with ozonics now if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out ozonics go to their website ozonicshunting.com i'm going to double check that here real quick ozonics hunting.com yep that's the correct uh uh website wasonicshunting.com now here's the deal if this upcoming season if you haven't purchased one right if if you're not going to buy one before this upcoming season this upcoming season if you know somebody who has one i want you to see if you can borrow it for a couple hunts especially if you're going to maybe uh test it out by you know making a really aggressive move on a doe hunt or a, a buck hunt or, or whatever like maybe you got some trail camera pictures like okay I got the wind I need I need to make an aggressive move take your take a, a borrowed Ozonics with you I I can't say this without sound, it sounding like a sales pitch because the Ozonics and how I use it man I it it's it saved my ass in a couple hunts right and Believe it or not, it it has actually it has actually beat the nose of a mature whitetail. It's beat the nose of a mature doe. Um, yes, there. It, it's just really hard to describe because it's it's one of those products where you have and they've said it before. You have these aha moments, and I had my aha moment. A handful of years ago, when the company first was founded, and the the units were the size of like a VCR, basically, they were as heavy as a VCR. And you take them out into the timber, and you just watch what they do. And I'm telling you, uh, it is a product that works. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, O3 destroys your scent stream. It uh, it just it makes you smell the way i always say it is it makes you smell f- way further away than what you actually are it breaks down your scent your scent stream and it makes you seem if they do smell you it makes you seem like you're way further away than what you are and i guess that 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 parts per million is way lower than if it wasn't in the tree that matched with the the you know back at hunting camp application where i throw all of my dirty clothes in the uh, dry wash bag run a dry wash cycle with the unit and now i have absolutely clean odorless clothes ready for the next hunt i do that before and after every hunt and uh, it keeps me fresh it keeps me scent free coming in and out of the timber and uh man you match that with playing the wind and good access routes it's almost like you're invisible going into the uh you know into the stand so uh please go and just go to their website ozonixhunting.com and check it out check out their products read up on all of the uh, the functionality of the units what it produces how it produces it and how it can help you uh, in the timber and I have a discount code for you and this discount code is if you purchase uh, one of their units you will get a free dry wash bag with that purchase and so that's uh that's a pretty good deal and the discount code is nfc19 nfc19 purchase a unit get a free dry wash bag that's the commercial let's start to get into today's episode where me and bob polanik talk whitetail hunting three two one bob polanik how the hell are you
1: I'm doing just fine, Daniel, Daniel Johnson.
0: (laughs) You're talking a little slower. You must have come off the prednisone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Yes, sir. I have been off it for about a week and uh, yeah, poison ivy is gone.
0: Good. I'm I'm happy for you because I have one spot of poison ivy on me right now and it's driving me crazy. It is like less than the size of my like pinky fingernail. And it is right in the crease between my nose and my cheek. Oh, it is. It's, it's not no, it's barely even noticeable, but it itches like a mother and it just drives me crazy, man. I, uh, you know, we already had the talk about how much we hate poison ivy. So, uh, but this is the first time I've got it this year pretty sure and uh, i'm glad because typically by the time august runs around i'm done going in the woods you know september is kind of a layoff month for me where i i stop going uh you know stop going into the woods and then hit it you know leave you know basically i stay out of the woods just to alleviate any pressure
1: yeah yeah i'm right there with you um So, uh, the, the tree that gave me the poison ivy, I actually went back to, um, this weekend and, uh, this past weekend and I sprayed it all and like cut some more vines and sprayed those. And uh, it was, uh, I'm, I deserved every bit of poison ivy I got with how much was around there and how much I just disregarded it. Yeah. So a little bit, a little bit of a brain fart. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time.
0: Yeah, I've been there, man, where you're not even thinking about it. Next thing you know, you're, you know, yeah, you know what? I can definitely check this trail camera in flip flops and shorts. And then the next thing you know, you're, (laughs) you know what happens. So, um, oh yeah. So, this is kind of going to be a no foreplay, no intro. Um, we're going right into the hardcore stuff. (laughs) I got to stop the innuendos, but uh, we're going right into the meat and potatoes of today's episode because I got a text from you, uh, and I love it when I get uh, texts from buddies like you who are, are you know, hardcore hunters and whatnot, and it's like, dude, I picked up like eight new farms or six new farms in Iowa, and I'm just like, yeah okay i i got jacked uh-huh. for you for a second so i want you made a you made a scouting trip trail camera uh land grab trip to western iowa this what this past week
1: uh yeah yeah okay uh yeah this past weekend we
0: yep walk us through it what happened
1: dude gotcha <laughs> gotcha oh, i didn't want to step on you um yeah we took off uh friday and uh spent plan was to spend all day saturday and sunday um scouting hanging tree stands uh truck cameras all that type of stuff which is uh, exactly what we did but we basically started off so we went to iowa in 2018 and then we were lucky enough to draw again this year and we had stayed in touch with the uh the farmers um that we had permission on the landowners that we had permission on from 2018 we had stayed in touch with them over the last couple of years um We were going to go out there and do a shed hunting trip this year, but then like the COVID thing kept us home. So, but, uh, anyway, so one of the things that we noticed is that the one farm, we basically had permission on two farms when one of the farms, it was just this like, I don't know, hundred acre chunk. And it was mostly just a, a cut bean field when we hunted it. And then it bought it up to probably, I don't know, 15, 20 acres of, timber that we could hunt but like that 15 to 20 acres of or the 15 acres of timber butted up to just a ton more timber but we had no access to it because we couldn't get in touch with the uh the landowners so we just kind of made a priority to get in touch with these other landowners that had uh, that own the adjoining property and we talked to them and I think because we already had permission on the one piece and we asked that farmer you know is it okay if we let them know we're hunting on your ground to kind of help us get permission on these adjoining these neighboring properties and he was like absolutely go for it they know me um he's like i can even put in a good word for you if they're hesitant just let me know so um yeah we just went to their house knocked on their door uh shook their hand and got got permission to uh go scout everything hang tree stands uh trail cameras and kind of do as do whatever we wanted so it ended up being a, a 650 acre chunk of land that we got permission on total.
0: So, so you said, pick, you picked up six fifty total.
1: Yep. Dude, yep, that's awesome. And then and then well, and then there's two other farms that we didn't even have time to scout. One is an eighty acre piece, and another one's a hundred eighty acre piece. And then maintained the permission, a farm from 2018. That's probably like two hundred fifty acres. So. We've got we, you know, we got over a thousand acres to hunt when we go back out there in November, but in two days, you just I mean, I'm we were whooped after two days. We were yeah. hanging tree stands, scouting, you know, doing all that stuff. So but,
0: This is no, this should was, was be
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, this is this should be a moral of us you know, the moral of the story is do not be afraid to knock on doors, man. Like, you know, all these people well, are knocked, out I'm there. I've knocked on Go ahead. All these people are like, it just, oh, dude, oh, public land sucks. Public land sucks. I hate it. I hate it. Have you ever tried knocking on doors? Well, no, I, you know, I don't do that. I don't want to, you know, I blah blah blah. You know, just like, dude, knock on doors, knock on doors. And I talked to this uh, uh, in last week's uh, podcast I had with a guy. You know, the worst thing they're going to say is no, obviously, but the other thing is, Bob, let me ask you this. Would you rather hunt public or private ground?
1: Depends on the state. Yeah. How about that?
0: Okay. What about yeah. Mich- what about um, what about but, Michigan? But
1: but, but private. private.
0: Private. Private. Right.
1: And that's that goes. That's going to go for Nebraska. That's going to go for Iowa. You know. Uh, yeah. That's. Yeah. I'd rather hunt private. Yeah.
0: All right. So of these farms that you picked up, what's the breakdown? Because uh, if I understand correctly, the the farm that you have been hunting over well i guess that that's nebraska but what's the breakdown are we are we still cuz out west uh, in iowa there's a lot less timber like the southern part of the state or even the eastern part of the state so is it still a majority of ag or is there a good mix of timber and ag
1: it's all it's probably like 75% ag 25% timber
0: okay so it's big it's still limiting it's
1: big it's rolling hills yeah yeah, it's um, there's a lot of hills. There's a lot of draws. It's it's definitely a challenge to hunt. Uh, just to, to access is a challenge because we only only can really access it from two well two spots now. Like the access improved because of the the work we did and the permission we got. But still, I mean, most most places we're going to to hunt, you're walking a solid half mile to three quarters of a mile just because the tracks of land are so big Mm -hmm. and it's just not roads and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, which is fine. That's why, I mean, that's part of it, but, uh, so yeah, it's, it's all, everything we're hunting this year is beans, which that is kind of a bummer. There's, it's just how, how it, uh, played out. We just, everything we got permission out, all had beans on it. So,
0: yeah, you know, that may suck a little bit, but I don't think, you know the the deer the deer may be eating corn uh during the october november uh season but my experience is the cornfields are that late season food source so i me personally i don't necessarily see a huge difference come october november as far as beans <laughs> versus corn um as a food source, I know early season, obviously, like uh, right now, the deer are just demolishing the bean fields, uh, and in the late right. season, if there's a standing bean field, the deer demolish that as well, and they demolish the corn. So it's not like during the season. This is just my opinion that there that standing beans versus standing corn w- weighs a lot. Now it might actually weigh a lot for a deer's annual pattern like he, he might not come back from a summer range to that place or something I don't know maybe but uh like I don't know what's your what's your yeah. take on that is crop rotation a, a during the season a big thing
1: um for where we're at in Iowa no. I just don't know enough about it I don't and again I don't care um kind of like you, I don't think it, I don't think it matters much, especially we're going there in mid to late November too. So I would assume most of the crops are going to be out anyway. Yeah. Um, And that's just the, that's the big thing is even if just like half the corn fields are cut, I mean, that just kind of helps fill that timber up. In my opinion, I think, you know, it helps fill the timber up with uh, a lot more deer. Absolutely. So um, just, but so Nebraska, the way that that property is set up and because it's a long The Missouri river, which is, I mean, you might as well have a brick wall there. Right. Right. Um, and I mean, I know deer, I know deer do swim across it. Um, I've seen it and if we've heard plenty, plenty about it, but, um, for the most part, you know, there's not deer, there's not like there's, you know, 15, 20 deer swimming across the Missouri river, on on the farm we hunt every, every day. So it's not a, it's not a travel pattern. Right. Right. Exactly. So we've got a hard edge there and then, um, So if there is corn uh, on like the southern part of the farm we hunt there, it's just a lot better for just overall uh, mature bucks being there, you know, earlier in October and stuff like that. Um, When there's beans down there, it's really just, it seems like it hunts better um, the further you get into November because you're just getting more of like those rut cruising bucks. So, but it seems like when there's corn there, um, you have more, um, like resident bucks. Yeah. I guess I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on your way back from Nebraska or Iowa earlier this year, did you set trail cameras out?
1: I did. And well, it was, that was in Nebraska, in I Nebraska. Set cameras out. Was okay, was probably a month ago. Yep. Yep. I checked those and Um, I only checked two and there was 2000 photos on each and there was in, I mean, I had, I had bait down, um, which is perfectly legal in the state of Nebraska, but, uh, like all, just all does and fawns. And I got one, I got one picture of a nice 10 point walking by, but he didn't even come and check out the bait, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. So, um, I thought, I thought if he would have walked by it, I thought he would at least come and checked it out directly in front of my camera and and giving me a nice shot but no 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 he walked by at about 30 yards and so I just had like this blurry like side shot of him I could just tell he's a
0: he's a decent 10 point so okay uh but could you make the decision on whether or not to shoot him there or was it too blurry
1: no because his body was behind a a pretty good sized tree so i, I couldn't you. even tell how big his body was yeah i just like it's his hindquarters and then his neck sticking out yeah so so yeah it's i'm sure it's a nice buck i've kind of seen those photos before and they end up being a pretty nice deer but no and, and that farm i'm not nebraska you know cameras out for a month on bait and not getting any big mature buck sightings i don't worry about it that farm always hunts well in in uh the first week in november so um there's no worries there yeah
0: So yeah, when it comes to that trail camera game, you know, I've learned this out the hard way, you know, you get so my farm in Iowa is just that summer spot, right? All the deer this year is kind of an oddity. And maybe that will rebound once I check them again. But one thing that I've noticed is my farm is just loaded with mature bucks during the uh, during the summer. But then the shift happens, right? And they all go away until late October. Uh, Then they start coming back and cruising through the farm. Well, I would almost rather have shitty uh, pictures all summer long and then my farm load up, the like have it th- be the opposite way, like load up come October a- instead of trickle yeah. in, right? You know, obviously that's, that's the goal. You want to be able to walk into the timber and have several decisions or several options or sh- uh, several hit listers. And uh, um, did you – did you have trail cameras out in Iowa as well? because you, you you were already out there. Did you set them out in Iowa?
1: In Iowa, no, I didn't have time., okay. um, you know, like when I was there a month ago. but uh, yeah, this past weekend, I think yeah, we've got have got like six or seven cameras out there now. Okay. so so yeah. And
0: then go a- ahead. across the board. When you were out on these farms setting trail cameras and setting tree stands and even on the new farms uh, that you had access to, from your scouting mission today, was there any old sign? Was there any uh, anything that w- really got you excited about coming back to, to them during the rut?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. There's, I mean, you're walking the edge of a bean field and... The, there's no beans growing and there's no weeds growing because there's, it's either like a, a moderately used scrape still or like it was such a dominant scrape on a field edge last year that nothing's growing in it yet so like stuff like that was awesome to see um there's definitely tons of big rubs that are all you know kind of growing back um but you can definitely tell there's a bunch of big rubs from last year's giant deer tracks yeah um yeah man one of the one of the farmers had planted probably like 10 acres worth of uh turnips and radishes and then um and that's right on like next to a a big uh probably like 10 or 15 island of timber or 10 or 15 acre island of timber and it's a big draw and it goes to a big water hole so it's like there's just a lot of go there's a lot going on right there you got food water cover so that's an awesome spot um and then on that same farm, he's got a probably a five acre field of rye and uh, clover. And we were talking to him. He's like, Yeah, I'll probably let my cattle in there next week. They'll be in there for three three or four days. And then he's like, I'll take them out and nothing will touch that for the rest of the year. And he's like, There's always tons of deer feeding that every night. It's like, man, sweet. So we left that for uh, like another, like a uh, uh, hang and hunt type of scenario. But, um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot. There's some ridge crossings that are just absolutely beat down still. Uh, yeah, man, there's going to be in the way that we kind of have uh, cameras set up. We, we kind of spread like north to south, probably covering like, you know, a mile, mile and a half along like kind of the main ridge that goes along the top. And there's finger ridges that drop down the to the east and the west. But this main ridge runs north and south and we kind of have things like peppered along there. And uh, we should be able to get some good intel on just how deer move through that property over the next couple months when we go back and check um, cameras. And um, and even if we can't establish a good pattern, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be tons of stud bucks on camera. When well, we hunted this area in 2018, I will never forget. Uh, I would check my camera, you know, I would check one camera or two cameras like every. 36 hours and there would be you know it was, we had gotten permission on that in 2018 when we were out there hunting in November so we had done no preseason scouting and when I was checking my cameras every 36 hours when I was out there there was one or two new mature bucks on it every <laughs> single time I checked it and I was like this is I got more pictures of mature bucks in a week than I do in an entire season in in Michigan so yeah in, in one week, in one week in Iowa. So yeah, it's, it's just cool, man. It's just, I know, um, you know, going out of state to Iowa, it's, it's expensive, but it's just, I've never experienced anything like what I experienced in 2018 when I hunted Iowa. So yeah, I'm excited. Very excited.
0: That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. So of these farms that you hunt, you know, out of state, are there any other people bow hunting? on those properties that you know of dude
1: does no it doesn't sound like it well take that back one guy's got his his brother coming out for like a week in late october to bow hunt um it's the first time he's ever going to be hunting in iowa but other than that and that's only on like the smallest farm that we have permission on everything else um i think it sounds like some guys might shotgun hunt it but other than that no one to no one really hunts it
0: Yeah, so. and that doesn't concern you right the shotgun hunters don't concern you because you're gone by then
1: right exactly exactly yeah so
0: let's see here um so you do have a cell cam or two out right now right
1: i do i do yeah I, la- I put one up in nebraska and uh i've got one here in michigan
0: oh okay so. you didn't leave one in iowa
1: uh, no, because my plan is basically, I've got a couple cell cams and I've actually got some that aren't even out yet, but basically, um, once I go to Nebraska and do that hunt towards the end of that hunt, um, I'm just going to quick run over to Iowa and get, you know, two or three cell cams set up in Iowa so you. we can get basically a hunt Nebraska first week of November I come home, work for a week, and then like the third week of November, I go to Iowa. So we'll okay. have some time where those cameras sit out there and give us some intel. Kind of just like you know where to, where do we want to focus our energy?
0: Yeah. What? So, uh, how many? How many tree stands were you able to get up this week in Iowa?
1: Oh, we got six of them up, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. It yeah. is. That is a lot of work
0: in two days. Six in two was, days. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And we scouted 650 acres. So, I mean, we put on miles, it's all hills. Everything's got, um, 24 foot tall climbing sticks. And the, uh, the stands I put up were they're called X stand. They were, they're on sale this February, um, for like 60 bucks. So they're, they're half off, but they're super nice because they have a bracket that comes off of like the, the main like shaft of the, uh, the hang on and so you just strap this bracket to the tree which weighs like i don't know a pound and then you just pull the um the stand up and you slide it right on yeah and it's just they were so easy to put up but uh still just hauling you know they weigh 20 pounds the sticks weighed 25 so hauling all that stuff all over god's green earth up and down hills and stuff like that through beans and all that so that's that was the tough part
0: yeah so yeah that's uh Those are not mobile stands then, right? No, no, no. but they're
1: all in spots. They're all in spots where I would say you could either kill a mature buck or you're going to be able to see where you need to make a move to get closer in on some action. So they're all like kill spots, but they're observation spots. And it's just, it's just because of how hilly that country is and how that timber kind of goes. It's just, you can just see a lot from every spot. Yeah, But you're also like you're, you're always talked into bedding or pinch points or down or like, you know, downward edge of a of a water hole or something like that. So. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see.
0: Well, man, I tell you what, I'm uh, I'm pretty jacked for you because, you know, just hearing the stories of how you talked about the last time you were in Iowa, knowing a little bit more, you know, dude, this could be a great year for you, especially if, you know, if the Missouri River stays low. And doesn't flood out your Nebraska yeah. farm, dude. You could have one hell of a yeah. year this year.
1: Yeah, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I I'm, I'm probably not going to chase inches at all. I'm not going to set that type of standard. Um, I just really I did that in 2018 where I just like everything I, I wanted to shoot a 140 or better, you know, I and I ended up not. I ended, I didn't fill my tag in 2018, and and uh, my buddy and I we had some pretty good conversation about it because he. So we were out there for ten days in 2018. And on day seven, he actually killed a buck that I I passed on day one. Yeah, and it was just yeah. you know it was a three and a half year old eight point. It was, it was a nice buck, but um. And then I had a, I had another buck that I passed on, which probably would have been my biggest buck at that point in two thousand eighteen. He's probably like a, he's just an, another three and a half year old eight point, but I passed on him on day five. And from day six through 10, I learned more about all the properties we were hunting than I did in the first six days combined. And like, you're we kind of talking, it's like, dude, some of the setups we did and some of the places we scouted, like, and now we have tree stands on and, and places we got permission on. It's like, I, I think that by not filling my tag on day five and, and getting, you know, I ate, my, I ate my tag in 2018, but getting those last four days in. I'm wondering if that's going to create an opportunity this year. Oh yeah, um, you know that I would have, I maybe would have never gotten that information. Yeah,
0: so So, just yeah, I don't know. Try to, yeah. When you were when you were out there this week, then did you use that information to hang stands in new locations? Oh yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a win. Probably
1: four out of, yep, four out of the six are in spots that I had already known about, or like I had. Um, already done like a hanging hunt at or I was in that area and I just knew like I needed to make one more move or something like that so right, right yeah I mean my last my last 48 hours of hunting in Iowa I had a mature buck encounter at 40 yards or less on four different occasions and one of them I was at full draw on and just couldn't get a shot off it's just like whew. and they were all different bucks yeah yeah Man. So very, very frustrating. I remember being very frustrated in 2018. And again, I'm just hoping that all that frustration leads to some sort of success this year. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, but
0: yeah. yeah. So here's right now, here's the high. rule. Here's the rule. All right. I, I'm going to establish a, a, a guest rule. You drive literally 20 miles or less even from my house. Every time you come through Michigan to go to Nebraska and in Western Iowa, right and you've stopped no. or zero times one time it was kind of my fault because you were willing to stop but i wasn't available but this year I'll, the rule is if you kill a buck in michigan or or excuse me in uh, iowa or nebraska on your way back through i demand a stop so i can check that buck out
1: you got it there god yes digital you got it. digital handshake digital
0: handshake there dude. we go dude that's awesome i, yeah. I it's, i'm gonna yeah. actually save this part this little clip and i'm gonna run it over and over on social media and that way if you come up with some <laughs> bullshit reason like you can't stop it's like dude it was like it was like eight o'clock at night and we didn't want to ruin your kids life i'm like whatever dude i'll leave <laughs> so
1: <laughs>
0: all right so i gotta talk to you a no, little I would love... oh go ahead man
1: No, I was just say I'll. uh, I'd love to. There's nothing better than uh, sharing a a good hunting story and getting your hands on horns with a buddy.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Probably probably drinking a ice cold snapple as well.
0: Yeah, and if you need a place to stay, man, I got my office. You and your buddy can stay in my office. I got a I got a couch and uh, I think we got a blow up bed, and uh, you can chill here. There's the there's the invitation.
1: I appreciate that. I will. Uh, I'm a man of my word. I will definitely stop by.
0: All right. Cool. All right. So what was this two weeks ago before I left for Colorado? I, I went out and uh, did some scouting on a farm that was that I I've hunted before, but never serious. And then I went to the Iowa deer classic in March and I, I kind of just got bored of it, to be honest with you and left early and I came home. And my kids and my wife were gone, and so what did I do? I pack my stuff up, get into my truck, and head out to this farm, and to do you know do some shed hunting. Well, long story short, I pop into this secluded bean field, and I find six sheds in like ten minutes, and I think one of them has the potential being a match set, but three of them in total are really good, uh, really good horns that I would say uh, are from a three year old. Maybe one of them has the potential just, you know, from the size of the pedicle, which may or may not determine age, um, could be a four-year-old. So I went out a couple weeks ago and with a backpack full of trail cameras. And I said, man, I, I really need to pay a little bit more attention to this farm. I need to get out there and hang some cameras. And I, I, I said that to myself the whole month of June, the whole month of July, and finally, The last five days in July, I got it. I got some cameras out there and one of them was a cell cam. And what I, what I did was I was walking this, this soft edge, right? It's overgrown grass that they eventually mow before they harvest the corn. And that way the tractors can get it in and out of there easy and, and whatnot, but it's all grown up now. So I'm walking this, this edge of this overgrown grass that is between the timber and the cornfield, and I, I locate two absolutely gigantic beds. Now, whether they're gigantic from a um, a big buck that sits there, which I'm assuming it is, or it's just been used so many times that they have nowhere, you know, that's that's the bed that they're currently using. Let's say when they get up out of their their day bed and they come and they eat a whole bunch of food and then they sit in this grass bed uh, during the night, chew their cud and whatever. But either way, it's this big bed, two of them right next to each other. So I put my trail camera out and I instantly started getting, you know, one I'm thinking is a three-year-old, but the other one could be a four-year-old. And uh, I think those are the two deer that are making the the beds that are right there three-year-old and the four-year-old nothing crazy huge and nothing crazy old as of right now but I think when the beans start to um, dry out and become less palatable they'll move back into this farm which is currently in corn and that's when some of the big dogs will probably show up I've had trail cameras on this farm in years past and uh, man I had like a 160 inch ten-pointer come through pretty religiously on a corn year. And, uh, there's other guys who hunt it, but I don't think they go back in there until the corn is out, which is typically, you know, mid to late October. So I'm excited to see what this, uh, trail camera keeps showing me throughout the rest of the, you know, the rest of this month. But I got two other trail cameras that I'm going to go back in there and check probably I don't want to say this weekend, maybe next weekend, just to see if they're working the right, how they're supposed to work and and catching what, uh, but man, I saw some great, absolute great sign back there. And it's cool because it's only 20 minutes, eh, maybe a little less, 15 to 20 minutes from my house compared to driving an hour and 30 minutes, hour and 15 minutes down to the farm, my my quote-unquote main farm, down by where I grew up. So... Man, I am just knowing that there's good quality deer on that farm now makes me get excited about what's gonna happen come uh come October and, and November.
1: Yeah, man, dude, that sounds awesome. That's sweet that it's that much that much closer oh, to yeah. your house.
0: Oh yeah. My wife will appreciate it. let's just say Here's here's one scenario. I think I, I talked to you a little bit about this buck I call Gnarly Charlie. And Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and I think I even sent you some pictures of him. Just you know, if he's around again and he's healthy, he'll be a slob again. And uh he'll be my he'll be a buck that I, I potentially dedicate an entire season to. But if he doesn't show up by the time it start to really grind out uh, you know, the the rut the late October time frame, and there are good quality deer on this other farm, I think I'll probably spend some time closer to home this year just because of the quality of deer on this farm, right? And the only thing that r- the other farm down south, it, it just holds so many great deer come the rut. And it's one of those anything could happen type farms. You know, the entire surrounding area has managed farms all around it. And so it just makes my farm better because of the neighborhood that I'm in. But this farm is different. It is so thick and nasty, no managed farm, borders public on a little piece by a little part of it. And, uh, I think the pressure from public actually pushes deer back into this farm. And that's why, uh, it's, it's so good, but I've never really ran trail cameras during the season during the hunting season on this uh, farm closer to home. So I'm going to leave a couple of them out this year just to see what's running around. And with, with the goal of maybe something big will pop up on it. Come, you know, come October, November. And instead of driving an hour and a half South, I can just drive an hour or uh, 20 minutes to this farm and then still be able to come home at night. And that'll, that'll make the wife happy
1: yeah for sure for yeah. sure
0: now let me ask you this um oh go ahead
1: I, I was gonna say how big is that farm
0: 101 acres perfect and it's long and it, it looks sweet- like an l so i got yeah it's I basically a 50 acre field uh and then a i want to say a 50 acre field but it's it's where the L these two rectangles connect to make an L it actually is a big crick system that runs on the the part of the L that runs up and down or north and south there's a crick system that runs on the west side of it and then it cuts through where the L connects to the, you know, the two rectangles connect and all that's timber okay. and then there's a secluded field uh, and I think this is what makes this uh farm so great the the field is secluded so no cars can see it. Nobody from a road can see it. Uh, in order to even get back there, you you got to walk walkaways, and I think that is the reason why this farm come the you know late season. I think I'm gonna actually put some time into this farm during the during the late season because uh, man, finding those sheds there this year, and the late season tag man is just you. I don't I don't. I don't want to burn, uh, my, my bow tag on a, I don't know, on something that I don't want, but let's just say a, a gorgeous three-year-old comes out or, uh, a, a four-year-old. I would probably take that deer with a late season tag. Just I to, got you, you know, would that
1: be an archery? An, be yeah. Archery or yeah. is that like muzzle loader? I could,
0: I could okay. use a muzzle loader or a bow for that to fill that tag.
1: Okay, yeah, I got you,
0: yeah, so I don't know man uh, i'm always I guess I'm always optimistic going into the season, or i don't I don't want to I'm not pessimistic, but there's some years where I'm not necessarily optimistic, I'm just indifferent because I know that everything changes once the rut hits, and that's when I spend most of my time right. in the in the timber, and with all of the you know I got three kids at home, who knows when I'm going to be able to hunt this year, I think I'm going to hunt. Later, I'm not going to jump into the timber on November 1st. I'll probably wait five days and start hunting on like the 5th or 6th or something like that. And then put my time in towards the middle and end of November based off of, you know, what trail cameras are, have tell, told me over the years is that a lot of big mature bucks come through my my southern farm after the, the first wave of the rut, always after peak breeding, even into December. So I want to give that a try this year. Um, but, again, it all depends on if Gnarly Charlie shows up or not and, and what's, what he's doing. As of right now, I don't have any camera. You know, I have no no info that he's alive or dead right now. So uh, I should know a lot yeah. the next time I, I check tra- uh, trail cameras. But I want to...
1: Does anyone does anyone that hunts around there also know about gnarly charlie and has and do you have their contact like you in touch with them i keep is that is that that buck pretty secret
0: you know i don't know to be honest with you um he's big enough to where if someone saw him even for iowa standards they're going to dig into it even if they have you know let's just say I only hunted four days a year with a bow. If I saw that buck, I would stop everything that I would be doing. I would locate the landowner and I would try to hunt those properties where I saw them at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but the good thing about that and is- probably
1: not, And probably not tell anyone.
0: Right, exactly. Exa- not tell anybody. Yeah. And the cool thing yeah. about this property is I am the only one who hunts part of it And then there's another group of guys that hunt on the opposite end of the farm and he's made it down to that, to that opposite end. But there's so much human pressure where he comes through, he comes through at night. Right. So it's almost like he doesn't necessarily stay on one side of the farm or the other. When he crosses that high pressure area, he crosses it during the nighttime and then he'll come back, you know, so it's, Let's just say, uh, let's just for all intents and purposes, say north side of the farm versus south side of the farm. When he's crossing between those two places, it's always during the night. So when you're hunting, you have to hunt the south side or the north side. And that's just what I'm getting from historical data. So I don't know who else knows about him. You know, obviously, if they listen to this podcast, a lot of people know about him. But uh, um, the landowner isn't... You know, isn't letting anybody else hunt those properties. I know that there's a, a known poacher that hangs around the area who's been busted before. Mm. And I say th- that he got busted because I was the guy who called him in, uh, who shot a forkhorn during the rut with a high power rifle over bait. <laughs> like, That's... Did he know what <laughs> else was running around out there? Right? I, like, right. this is Iowa, right. Southern Iowa. Why are you shooting a forkhorn? So anyway, uh, so he's lost his license for the time being. And, and I know he's still out there cause I have trail camera pictures of him. He doesn't know about. And right. so right. who knows what this guy's doing out there or if he has any impact on, you know, whether he's walking through the woods or, or whatever. And so I don't know, I don't know anything about that. I just, uh, I'm just, hoping that the next time I I check my trail cameras, I know whether he's alive or if he's dead or, you know, like I shouldn't say, I don't know if he's dead, but I should know if he's alive. And if he's alive, that just makes everything, I don't want to say different. It just, it tells me what I'm going to do for, for the upcoming season. If he makes it through. Right. So we will see, man, we will see.
1: Yeah, I I hear you. That's uh, yeah, you're probably talking about a deer that's got. I mean, he's probably in the upper upper one eighties, one nineties, two hundred type of yeah. type of big buck. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because I I am absolutely shitty at judging deer as far as antlers are concerned and I hate even talking about numbers because it for some reason it makes right. me sound like a douchebag. No, oh, yeah, he's 180. I, he's 190 whatever. I hear you. Yeah. I I hear you. But in order for us to properly to describe what this deer is uh you got to you got to use a number, right? You got to say he's this class. So yeah. I've shown pictures to people of him and they're like dude, easily 200, easily 200. And then you show the pictures to someone who actually knows what the hell they're talking about, and they're like, "Yeah, he's one, he's one eighty six or one eighty five or whatever like that." Yeah, and he actually probably scored more in two thousand and let's see, seventeen, two thousand and eighteen than he did last year. He had he had more mass last year, but he had more tines and trash the previous year in 2000 and what would have been 2018. So who knows, man, who knows what's going to happen. I know that if he does show up, I know the game plan that I'm going to use already because he follows this same kind of circuit throughout the, you know, throughout November and into December. And my goal is to just sit somewhere on that circuit and in specific terrain features on specific winds and hopefully catch him. So That's the goal, dude. Well,
1: well, for your sake, I hope he is alive.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. It a deer like that, in my opinion, and from what I've seen, only comes around once every five or six years, right? The last deer that I chased that was that caliber was would be that shipwreck buck that I always talk about, and he was shot in two thousand. He was shot in two thousand and ten or excuse me, 2011. So that's been, and he was 210 when I hit him and never, and never, and he survived and he was 200 and like 200 or 201 the year that the neighbor shot him and killed him. So, you know, that's, that's why it's, that's so rare. So rare, right? It's just rare. (laughs) And I'm not an advocate for numbers and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I I probably will never ever score a buck again, ever. Like, even if it is someone says, "Dude, that's a world record," I I am not a huge fan. I don't believe that a number should dictate the experience, and I don't think that a number should rank what a deer is. Right? There's yeah. there's another yeah, deer hear. that could potentially be on my farm. That's eleven years old this year. I I, I didn't get a pic. I got a picture of him last year. He's 11 years old and he'll probably score 125 or 130. And some people would look at that and go, oh well, that's nothing. well I got I have like seven years of trail camera pictures of that buck and that's a story right there. So just because his right. antlers score less that that takes away from from the story, that's bullshit.
1: Right totally agree. So, totally agree. Yeah. It's just like you said it's just talking it's a way to explain and identify right uh the caliber yeah. i mean unless the, the only way you could do it is you could say yeah his rack's about 24 inches wide and about 15 inches tall or whatever yeah so i mean that's the only way you could really you know when you're talking about physical characteristics but yeah, yeah i i hear you this uh this iowa trip will definitely be um you know the only opportunity i'll get for probably the next few years at, at shooting a, a buck that's in that the upper that upper class, whether it's a five or six year old or something like that, I will definitely pull up, pull the trigger on yeah. a three-year-old in a heartbeat. Um, so I'm not eating my, my Iowa tag this year, if I can help it. So, yeah. um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, when we were there in 2018, kind of like what you're saying, um, was showing photos to, uh, a, a farmer out there that we were, we were renting his farmhouse to stay at and we were showing him pictures of some of the deer that we had on camera and some of the different farms. And he, and he knew everybody, um, and all the land we were hunting. And, uh, yeah, he was kind of explaining to me like some of the character characteristics you look at and how like deep the forks are on like a big 10 point. You look at how deep the forks are on like for the G four to the main beam and stuff like that. And he's like, you see that deer there. He's like, that's like a 170 caliber, 170 inch caliber deer or something like that. So there was a couple big ones we had and, uh, my my buddy rattled one of the big ones in, got to fifty yards, and and didn't get a shot on him. But yeah, it's uh, there's some whoppers. Yeah. But again, again, if I see them, great. If I get a crack at them, uh, I hope the adrenaline isn't too much for me to overcome. Yeah. And uh, can actually get a a solid shot off at him. But yeah, lots got to go right.
0: Right before we end this podcast though touch base with us on Michigan what because I saw some I saw some pretty promising trail camera pictures from you
1: yeah man um, I've got a farm up in northern like the furthest north that I hunt and I've got some public land by my house and both of those properties um, during the summer always have pretty nice bucks on them like usually a one or two three and a half year olds um, probably in that, you know, they're usually like a nice eight in that 110 to 125 inch range. And that's, uh, that gets me pretty fired up around here. Um, but the problem is, is I literally never see a mature buck like during hunting season on those farms and or on the farm and the public land. And then, um, on top of that, man, my, the cameras just go cold and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just lose them once the yeah. shift
0: happens. Yeah. And you have the means of hunting other places. And uh, it sounds to me like you take advantage of that.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yep. Uh, dude, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I am excited to go hunt Michigan. And I don't say that as a joke. I am interested, number one, to confirm, right? Because I, I, got, I got about 75% of the people I talk to say dude it's garbage here you know you're wasting your time why are you hunting michigan you should go back i think some of those people are are pulling my leg but then i got 25% of the people who are like dude do not sleep on michigan if you work hard enough in the right c- scenarios you'll run into some good deer right now obviously the definition of good deer differs from state to state region to region or whatever but uh I am just excited to get up there and just do something different and hunt a different state for whitetails. Cause I have other than Nebraska, I've never hunted East of Iowa. So I'm definitely excited for that.
1: Yeah, man. And I, I agree. It's, there's I definitely don't, definitely don't sleep on Michigan. There's, there's quality hunting to be had in Michigan. Um, you're just perfect example. You're not going to come to Michigan for two days, knock on three doors, and get permission on 650 acres.
0: Right. Right.
1: So that that's what we don't have. Yeah. You know, um, everyone's got like a 40 acre piece or a 20 acre piece or an 80 acre piece, and everyone's got everyone hunts it, and everyone has family that hunts it, so they're just more pressure. But yeah, there's mature bucks here for sure.
0: Yeah. The other thing that, you know, I've been debating, like what, obviously a lot of it uh, depends on what I'm actually seeing and what comes within bow range. But here's what I will say is I'm like you, I feel like I want to take something home in my cooler. And if a doe presents me a broad shot, a broadside shot at 20 yards, I think I'll take it because of the time that only, you know, I'm only going to be there for three days to hunt, right? I'm a day of travel, day, three days to hunt, day of yeah. travel back. And I think that is, I'm not going to be afraid to just shoot something, right? I I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Absolutely. I would definitely, I mean. I would definitely, well, I guess, how much is a doe tag? A non-resident doe tag from Michigan? It can't be that much. I mean, I don't even know what, uh, uh, so you get, so let's back up. Um. A non-resident archery tag from Michigan. What does that run you?
0: I think it's like 260 or 280.
1: Is it really? I think so. That is like triple what it should be Um.
0: (laughs) but but coming from iowa and knowing what non-residents pay to hunt here i've i consider that cheap absolutely yeah because what's a nebraska out of state tag
1: uh that's two that's 260 so that's i would i call those affordable i don't know i don't call them cheap yeah i call them affordable
0: right right yeah
1: um but then you can get a you can get a second one which is statewide for nebraska and that one's 600 bucks so okay. that's the pricey one gotcha but um, yeah the archery one's like unit specific for nebraska and that's 260 or 275 something like that so but uh yeah i'm also thinking about buying a doe tag for nebraska just because um the farm that we hunt needs i mean we've never shot a doe off it so it just it just needs it
0: yeah so. i believe it i believe it Well, cool, man. We're going to call her quits. Uh, I can smell my wife's brownies that are in the oven. So that means it's time to go before the kids like take the centerpiece, right? Like they always, I always, the dad gets the the bad piece of the brownies, like the crusty ones on the side. I'm going right into the middle and I'm cutting out the middle square and that's the one I'm going to eat. So podcast is over. Good
1: for you. Yep. Enjoy that. Enjoy that.
0: All right, man. Well, uh, we'll touch base soon. Thanks for your time again, and try not to get Poison Ivy, dude.
1: Uh, Thank you, sir. And, uh, yeah, man, it was good to catch up.
0: That brings us to the end of another podcast. Huge shout-out to Bob, as always, for taking time out of his day to hop on and uh, BS with us. Huge shout-out to you. I mean it when I say it. I love you all. Thank you for listening, and and without you, uh, this isn't happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to another group of people who, you know, <laughs> if it wasn't for me making money, uh, doing this, my wife would uh, have other ideas and plans for me. So now that I'm actually making money uh, off of the the network and the podcast, man. Uh, (laughs) she kind of lays off which is a good thing so huge shout out to our title sponsor vortex optics the average conservationist lone wolf tree stands wasp broadheads and you heard the uh, commercial in the intro ozonics Sent elimination please go out and support the companies that support this podcast i would really appreciate it and when you make a purchase let them know that i sent you other than that be sure you're following the sportsman's nation on instagram and facebook the nine finger chronicles on instagram and facebook and if you have a question about anything leave me a message i do my best to respond to absolutely everybody who sends me a message um If you take the time out to message me, I'm going to try to take the time out to message you. So there's that. Have a good rest of your week. More content to come. Follow everything on the Sportsman's Nation. Be safe, love your neighbor, and we'll talk to you next time.